0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: What's up, Hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, startup, Kansas City scaling businesses, you name it. We can really cover anything here. Um, super excited about today's guest. We've got a local Kansas City. And before I jump into who she is and what and what she's representing today and what she's going to talk about, I'd love to give a shout out to our sponsor that's made this whole thing possible, um, the Economic Development Corporation of KCMO. It's proud to support the dreamers and doers in our great city through a variety of programs, including Launch KC and KC Up. If you're in or around the Kansas City area, Learn how they can help you launch by visiting edckc.com. I've been involved in various ways um, throughout the years. It's an amazing program and thankful that they're here today to sponsor our show. Um, So without further ado, Natasha from The Grooming Project, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I've had a Kansas City, and I'm super excited. I love supporting um, our businesses in and around Kansas City. Um, and like my listeners would know, I love starting out with just getting to know you and helping our listeners getting to know you, Natasha. Um, and then we'll talk about the grooming project, but would love to know, um, you know, obviously we're talking about pet grooming and animal grooming. Um, how'd you get into the business? Is this your first one? Like kind of where did you start uh, in entrepreneurship or where did this passion come from, Um was it like, you know, out of school and you knew exactly what you were going to do? Is it something you grew up with? Anything you'd like to share would be amazing. Um, you know, a lot of people say like, you know, I, when I was when I was young, I knew I always wanted to do this. For me, it was never that way. I just kind of like found myself in business uh, by accident. But um, would love to know how you kind of got um, the passion to, to start the business and, and, and the passion for business in general.
0: Oh well. Um. So I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer when I was a kid. Um, okay. And I wanted to do human rights law. Um. So always wanted to, um. You know, help people, support people that were, you know, the vulnerable. I guess. Um. But you know, after college, I ended up running a daycare in D.C. I actually started it and ran it out of my house when I was 23 years old. Um, just because there was a huge need in the market for it. I had a small child. I knew how much money they made. Um, So that is actually probably my first step into what I'm doing right now. Okay. Probably doesn't make sense for a lot of people, but I, to run the daycare, I had to get licensed. And I learned so much about early childhood development and how important those first five years of life are. And really kind of shaped how I think about parenting and parents and supporting them so that they can do their job in raising kids.
1: I love that. Okay. So, um, 23, first business, running a daycare. Um, and honestly, as someone that's a new dog dad, um, you know, I have a do- Adobe's, he's uh, 18 months. Um I know what you guys do but like for me the 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 he has like been kind of like a mirror into like young like probably a young child in some ways like he's very intelligent and just like you know it's been a learning experience for me I I've always I had dogs growing up but I wasn't the one in charge so to speak you know I was not the one um doing the training or the one like um you know taking him to his vet appointments or the one taking him to the groomer or any of those things it was like mom's dog and you know the family dog and we did it and this has been a big learning experience for me especially with a dog that's like 90 plus pounds um you know and i have no kids of my own so Mm -hmm. for me it's been it's been something very um enjoyable but also um just learning every day it seems like Mm -hmm. you know how to do it better and better so i can definitely relate so back to dc go to school Uh you're in dc um Mm -hmm. start with the daycare how long did you do that for
0: So I did daycare for about six years, and I actually, I I bought a house, one big enough where I could run it out of half of the house, and we just charged a ton of money and had really good quality instructors in there. Um, And then, you know, we we moved to Kansas City, and in Kansas City, I was able at that point to do a lot of volunteer work. My kids were young, they were in preschool, I only had, you know, three or four hours off a day. And that's when I started working with homeless families um, and I really learned how impossible it is for somebody born into poverty to get out of poverty. And it was one of those days where I was driving home from work, you know, I, I had just met with several moms that would sit out my, outside of my office and wait for me to get done working so that I could help them find jobs. But with criminal records or, you know, reading at second grade reading levels, it was just impossible to try and find uh, something for them to do where they could actually make enough money to get off of welfare and take care of their kids. So, and that is where the dog grooming piece comes in at because I was driving, yeah, driving home from work one day, racking my brain, how do I fix this? And my mom called from Iowa and she said, I'll take any warm body who walks to the door and train them my mom was a dog groomer and i actually you know i grew up with dogs but i never really liked dirty dogs so (laughs) so i didn't like to help my mom in her business but i would do her marketing and her bookkeeping from wherever i lived. yeah so and then i thought about it i'm like i know how much money my mom makes she was able to flex her schedule around our schedule as kids and the dogs don't care if you have a felony on your record so, I just kind of mashed the two things together went back to graduate school to figure out how to actually run a non profit and then um and then we got started
1: I love that that's an amazing story and your mom sounds like an amazing woman in my opinion um it's not it's not an easy thing um just for like you know storytelling's sake. I grew up as a missionary kid in Africa till I was sixteen um and this is a long this is not a long time ago but this is, you know before social media and these kinds of things and my parents were teachers, um, so was was raised around people in like the lowest of of poverty. You know, as far as American standards go, um, they were technically like a fourth world country in Congo uh, at the time. So you just see you know, it was very hard coming back, and even myself um, being raised in Kansas City definitely was um, you know lower middle class to say the least. And you know, and uh, it is a it is a challenge. Now, um, was the first to get a college degree type of thing and it you know that's not poverty by any means but you know it's just it's a climb there even as a white male um you know to get out of that routine to get out of those thought patterns and to get out of that scarcity mindset and you know all the challenges that come with that and have made it a a goal of mine and um honestly work with a lot of companies that have like even like prison rehabilitation programs and things like that where they're able to teach them trade skills so Highly commend, um, you know, what you guys are doing. And it's not an easy path forward. Um, what would, what did day one look like for, you know, coming out of school with a master's, uh, you know, degree in a nonprofit and saying, okay, now I'm ready to put this to work. Were you guys already operating kind of at that point, And were you like shipping people to Iowa? Like, you know, how did that work? How did that work?
0: Well, so my mom and I actually started writing the curriculum for the school. Okay. Um, and, we, and we got to be a state certified school. But the big, the hardest part was uh, finding money to get this thing started. Like I'm not independently wealthy um, and donors had a really hard time trying to think about what I was trying to do. Um, And it took three years of me knocking on every door and begging for money before we got our first uh, really big, you know, we got $100,000 from the city um and and that was kind of a fluke but that's when things started to actually snowball
1: okay um there's a lot of entrepreneurial lessons in there i'll tell you that much um just from you know pitching and its attempts it's a number of attempts and number of doors knocked before you get that yes and you know you perfect your your pitch by the nose right like what right, are the right. you know um you know it's the number of no's and saying okay why did this person say no this time and what did we not share what story did we not share you know, that brought this home. And, um, you know, that's something that's not easy for a lot of people that have a cause. And you're like, why don't they understand what I'm, what I'm trying to do? Uh, you know, I, I actually pitch. I'm a pitch coach at UMKC uh, for the e-scholars program. And, you know, sometimes the look on people's face when it's so clear to them what they're pitching or selling Uh, and then you're giving them feedback that you're like, I don't understand exactly. And they're like, well, what do you not understand? Like it's, 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 you know, but, but you're the one with the heart or you're the one that felt the need and, and, you know, obviously went to school, which is a lot of work to just be in that position in the first place. Um, and so it was actually, it was KC government. It was KC gov that like, uh, honestly was the first to say yes. That surprises me. Like it just, it does, um. Was that a connection? Was that just a wild, was that a wild chase? <laughs> it,
0: no, it was a, it was a connection. It's funny. I'd been meeting with uh, this, Doc Worley who actually started the Kansas City Business Journal.
1: Yeah, He
0: was part of the church that adopted us, St. Andrew's Church. Um, and I met with him once a week for eight months. You know, he, he was kind of mentoring me on my, uh, all my stuff. I gave him my business plan. Um, trying to help me find money. And one day he calls me and he says, and one day, eight months later, you let me yeah. say, he calls me and says, Hey, this is a really good idea. I think this might actually work. And I was like, Doc, we've been working on this every week for eight months. Why, did why you, have you said, that to change your mind?
1: Yeah. Did you <laughs> and not think it was a good idea at first? Like, you know,
0: <laughs> he's like, Well, I finally read your business plan. And, and then that's when he started introducing me to people. And because of his credibility, they would meet with me. And that's actually how we got our first little pot of funding.
1: So huge. Um, thank yeah. you, Doc. You know, um, right. I, yeah, I remember when I first uh, actually the host of the Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi, um, you know, the original founder, I joined in 2020. Um, but Matt DiCorsi was one of the first people in the city to kind of say like, hey, like, you know, um, a mentorship was formed. Essentially, like after probably a year of knowing each other, it was like officially became a mentor of mine. And you know the difference. You you still have to go and knock on the door, and you still have to pitch, and you still have to be ready, and you still have to have you know everything dialed in. But the power of the network is is crazy. Um,
0: it's let's talk. It's the most important thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I don't know Doc personally, but obviously know the KC Business Journal. Um, t- so the so the grooming project, like. From then, what date was that that you guys officially like? We're like, okay, we can make this thing a go.
0: Um, so we actually it was about a year before we opened. We opened in 2016. Um, that's when we finally got like Jay e. Dunn came aboard and they did all the renovations. We found a building that the city leased to us for a dollar for ten years, um, and then and so that's really when the momentum started. Um, granted, when we opened in 2016. I still only had like two weeks of cash in the bank to actually pay grooming instructors. Um, and there was like, you know, two and a half people working and I was one of those. Um, so yeah, but we, we opened first class was only uh, six people, but we, we failed pretty miserably and we figured out what we needed to change. And so after we opened, we paused for three months, um, made some corrections, I, and, and so the the biggest failure that I actually had when I first started was I assumed that we could take homeless people and train them in dog grooming in six months, and then my job would be done. They would go make a whole bunch of money, take care of their families, everything would be fine. Obviously, doesn't really work like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I got everybody employed, but they all lost their jobs in two months. And it was because we didn't teach them the, the other, retention. The other things. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. So that's what we added. We add, Now we have a six-month school, and then we have an 18-month bridge program, which is everything from emergency cash assistance to an employment coach to housing and case management. So.
1: No, I understand that. Um, even in, so Marknology, you know, we're a team of 40 or so um and one thing that i've mainly learned along the way is is a lot of the skills um you know they can learn amazon skills or marketing skills or photography graphic design you know supply chain you name it whatever we plug them into pretty quickly and it's it's rarely those skills that are the ones that we're refining <clears throat> you know so we have we we've like you know we don't we don't have the ability to put them through a you know a two-year program but It becomes immediately like okay, how to structure business emails and how to, um, you know, we're having book clubs to cover certain subjects about communication, and you know, because they learn, they can learn certain things in school or they can learn certain things on the job, but there's so many other things that come into place like communication or organization or, um, you know, how to stay organized, how to be on time, um, you know, these different skills that you're like, I never had that in mind at all when i like started this business and didn't know that it would be needed um so unless you're getting a you know an older professional that's been a professional for a long time you really have this like baseline of skills that you know they want to be taught and and my thing at least at marknology has always been you know if you move on from here you know we're a branding and creative agency etc it's like i want you to be obviously better than when you came but secondarily you know, you're, you're an extension of us and the team in our brand and, and my technology. And so for me, that also includes all these other things, like your ability to communicate in your presentation of yourself. And, um, you know, the way that you, the way that you do one thing is how you do everything or whatever that, that saying is, you know, but it, it was definitely something that we're still working on without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but it's not something that you as an employer think is within your like scope of work to to make that happen but it's actually the most important so it's whether sink or swim um so i guess what, i was going to ask a question and thank you for sharing that early failure because i think we learn the most through failures right and anyone listening this is a, a podcast by founders four founders know that um you know but it's it's um it's reiterate it's reiterate it's reiterate it's reiterate try again um so they they went through the program just fine um, right, but then it was getting them into the job, so I guess your curriculum worked fine. um, you know, you had them all graduate do we have a hundred percent graduation in the first class?
0: You know we had six out of seven graduated in our first class, yeah, okay. and then and they all yeah, all got jobs that graduated um but yeah, it was just like you were saying, it was all of those kind of the mindfulness, the pause before you speak, you know, don't. It's your neighbor type of thing. So there was just a lot that we learned that we really didn't think that we were, we were going to have to teach.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's super awesome. Was that like, did you guys hit, it sounds like you came up with a solution right away, right out the gate. Like, okay, this is obviously what we need. We're going to set this up. Um And you can't use the same course and curriculum that you and your mother had created for the first time. Like, how did that come about, I guess? Or, like, how did that program get come together as a team?
0: So, well, actually, yeah, we are grooming curriculum. We've been, you know, we've been kind of uh, changing and making it better year after year, but we still largely use that. What we added was, um, like, so now instead of grooming Monday through Friday, we groom Tuesday through Friday, and Monday is life skills classes. So that's budgeting, emotion regulation, parenting classes, banking classes. Anything that, you know, that they need in life, that if that stuff starts to fall apart, that they're going to lose their job, you know? So we want to make them as stable as possible so that when they do get employment, they can continue to grow and um, have, you know, buy houses and, you know, pick out where they live and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. There's this like, I I, def, I feel like I can speak to this even from experience and not being from poverty in regards to like, this is a joke. And I know we'll get some laughs on this, but like I legitimately watched the show friends to understand how to be an American. Like when I moved here, I, you know, my, my dad was sick. My parents were like taking care of him, um, for the first two years. So imagine 16 to he's fine now, but like, he's very sick. It's why we came back. So like 16 to 18 in high school, um, you know, I don't come from poverty. I still didn't know how to interact with the world as it was in like Kansas City as a kid, I understand pop culture, understand uh, going to school for, you know, eight to nine hours. I was used to being like a uh, or else in an embassy school, which is a little bit different, um, more like a meritocracy program. I didn't have to ask to go to the bathroom ever before, you know, or like simple things like that that just like got me in quite a bit of trouble trying to figure these things out on my own. And definitely made you know assimilation i guess into society quite a bit harder for me i didn't have an older brother um you know it's just out there just trying to figure it out and um you know i can understand why for so many that would be such a difficult thing you just think like hey get you a job you you start getting a a roof under your head you like you know start eating well or getting something to wear to work and off you go but there's honestly so much to learn it's it's put it's made me who i am today and then i had to start getting just this curiosity uh, about everything because I knew nothing. I knew a lot about different things, but, uh, you know, a little bit of street smarts. I had a lot of street smarts, uh, which is like intuition and being able to like, you know, read situations and being able to adapt quickly and things that can make you very successful in the workforce. But, uh, you know, you take me to a nice dinner or like just different things like that. I'm like a fish out of water. Uh, you know, until you kind of have somebody that helps you, you make that friend or something that's like, let me show you how the lunch line works and like, you know, simple things like that. But, um, you know, my sister and I have worked with uh, my sister specifically, Veronica runs our our creative department at Marknology. And she worked with um, immigrants in uh, Tampa when she was going to school there at USF, uh, two different groups there where she created the curriculum for little girls coming into school. And like, um, you know, how to like how to be ready for public school now that they're here and what to expect for that um, you know, so something that wasn't easy and something that took like a lot of work, and that was really the question I was asking when I said, you know, who kind of put that curriculum together the banking and the lifestyle lessons and things like that.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so I mean, a lot of that though was what I knew coming in, we just didn't have the structure in place yet. So, like, our students really helped build that structure, um, because we were learning from them just as much. So, like, you know the the reason why I started this program was because I was working with homeless families, and they educated me, you know, on it you know it was so funny. one day, um, this woman had to do community service for me. It was either that or she had to go to jail, and she came in and I said, "Well, what are you good at? What do you want to do?" and And she's like, "I don't know, but i'll I'll do anything." And I just started to realize like she, you know she couldn't use the computer at all, you know, couldn't send an email, everything would get lost she came in one day and had her her daughter on her hip and her daughter was a year and a half old. And I was like, how'd you, how'd you get here today? And she's like, well, I drove. And I said, do you have a car seat? And she didn't, you know, she didn't even know that she needed a car seat. And so it's like things that I assumed that everybody just knew wasn't actually true. And the really interesting part though, was she was so smart. So she would teach me, I mean, we're working in a really bad part of town And I was naive, like, I, you know, didn't understand the bad things that that happened out Mm -hmm. there. And she would protect me, you know, she would like if I remember there was a time when we went outside and and there was some homeless folks that had some mental health um, issues. And one of them approached me and she came up and knocked that guy down and, and drug me back in the house. And after that, it was you know, she'd take me through McDonald's and it's like, you always lock your doors through McDonald's, make sure that there's a car length space between you and another car on Troost. And it was just so fascinating that we were both the same age, but grew up in completely different lives. Yet we both needed each other so much to survive in the worlds that we were trying to live in.
1: It's completely different. And honestly, like, there's no way to really know until you've been there doing it, you know? Um, watching a movie reading a book seeing stuff on tv doesn't get it done you know and when when people are operating their lives like that they're just fight or flight mode or survival mode there just isn't time you know to learn some of those things those skills that you need you're not sitting there learning french uh you know when you're when you're worried about your next meal or you're like you know the people walking down your street i remember growing up in africa we had our um i probably had thieves in my house a dozen times you know through my childhood and uh you know then i moved to a place like liberty where they leave the door unlocked you know at that time this is like you know and the door would be unlocked and i just i didn't understand like simple things like that um that it's not something that just comes out it's like okay you're back unless here's your training manual for like you know how these things go and just being like okay these people here have no real understanding of like what it's like even 20 minutes away um you know into the city and um you know, it, it is crazy what you can learn from someone that hasn't spent all their time learning these other things, uh, these right. other societal norms, right? It's quite a bit different skills. And um, I, that's the reason why, like, as I progress in business, I think I'm, I'm able to think so much outside the box than, you know, a lot of other people that comes more naturally to me, if that's one of the skills that I have is because um, in Africa, you have to make use of what's there, you have to see what's in your environment, and how do you make use of it? And, and how do I apply this? And um, you know, the, the things like going to Walmart and replacing this with something is not an option, you know, you don't have, um, you know, you don't have all of those resources at your fingertips. And so even understanding that here in the U S, um, you know, we have the very, the very same thing happening, uh, you know, in a different way, but very similar way. Um, and that, that street smart that street smart aspect of a lot of people that come from poverty actually have a greater ability in my opinion. To be creative to be outside the box to be problem solving um critical thinking even without the education because you know they yeah. just their their brain is developed in different ways um and it's super you know i honestly see it as almost a secret a secret sauce in a lot of ways or at least however purpose mine and can see that in others it's like this is a secret sauce where we might not be formally educated that can come right that can mm-hmm. that can come if, if you get that support and that help and. Um, I saw that in my own personal life with, uh, big, the big brothers, big sisters program and, you know, seeing the difference in even a year's time with a little that's just been around, just being around, uh, you know, different people and seeing a different kind of lifestyle, how it can change their perspective about everything. I didn't mean to take that long, but it's something I'm just extremely passionate about and something that, you know, a lot of people as a white male, uh, you know, like I'm, we're perceived a certain way. We don't have a lot of understanding about a lot of things. Um, but just that you have to almost get in there and get your hands dirty to really understand, um, you know what that is. So, you know, I want to I want to ask a couple of questions about, you know, for the future and vision for the project and where do you guys plan to go, and even some of your needs, maybe. But before I do, I want to give a shout out again for our sponsors that's made this happen. Um, and and it's and it starts with "Let's Grow KCMO" is the Economic Development Corporation of KCMO's tagline, and it represents how we work with businesses, large, small, and just starting to locate and grow in our great city learn more at edckc.com and it's it's, it's small businesses and projects just like uh, the grooming project that that honestly make some of those types of things happen and there's a brand we work with that makes it um, their warehousing and fulfillment and almost their entire workforce is um, you know is uh, is set up to help um, people coming out of prison assimilate because think about technology I'm in the technology business I'm in marketing on the Amazon and e-commerce this didn't even exist. If you've been in, you know, in prison ten years or incarcerated for ten years, you would come out and not even understand what a smartphone is or how to call, a, you know, an Uber, how to get the phone to where it was face recognition. Um, you know, these things we take for granted that the younger generation can whiz around on an iPad. Um, you know, you feel like okay, I can't even take that job. And this is something even at my company, I didn't understand. I was having problems uh, with a couple employees uh, doing their work, and I knew that they were hard workers, and I just they wouldn't admit to me. And I didn't understand that that drafting or creating an email and spelling and some things like that were a challenge for them. I just saw their work ethic, I saw what they did, how fast they could learn on their feet. And um, what was actually holding them back was simply um, how to draft an email, you know, and it wouldn't have been something I would have brought up, right. So if they're not bringing it up to me, it's like an assumption, like you mentioned. Um, So, you know, that being said, let's talk about the grooming project, like, we talked um, a little bit before the show, and I know that expansion is something that you guys are super excited about. Um, what's in your vision for expansion? Is is it more, um, you know, more programs within KCMO or KCK, or is it you know trying to take this uh, across the state or, or internationally or nationally? Um, you know what what vision do you have?
0: Well, right now we're in the middle of a capital campaign to expand here in Kansas City. So we've uh, purchased a building that's just like one building over from us right here. But we'll be able to triple the size of our grooming school, add doggy daycare, add a market rate grooming salon for graduates that want to learn management skills and start their own businesses. But the idea really is that this could be done anywhere. Um, We've talked with regional directors for Petco and PetSmart, and they've told us, throw a dart on the map. We need you everywhere. And we're realizing, I mean, you know, the, the pet industry is booming. When we started, it was a $60 billion industry. Now it's around $100 billion. And, it's, and it keeps going up. And we love that because our graduates make, they can make anywhere from forty dollars to $100,000 a year. And, you know, you don't have to have even a high school degree to make that happen. Um, and you need that to be able to support your family. So our, our goal right now is to really like, you know, figure out what we're doing, write it down. I feel like we've made all of our, not all of our mistakes, I'm sure, but a lot of our mistakes, um, and have a pretty good solid program now, um, and work to increase our earned revenue, because I think that's going to help us get into other markets. We are a 501 C3 nonprofit. But having that earned revenue stream is just so critical.
1: So, totally. Um, yeah, I understand that. Growing up, I grew up in uh, more of a religious nonprofit, you know, uh, as a missionary kid, but understand exactly how that is. And uh, regardless of the mission, there was still that pressing need for, you know, income and to, to be able to stay there and doing the work that they were doing for us. It was teaching English and understanding, knowing being able to speak good English in those countries was the difference in getting employment or not um you know so we were french missionaries teaching english um simply under being able to speak you know was the difference in getting that job and um i'm sure the case is even even now being able to like you know talk to customers so i guess that's where the the arm of like maybe the daycare side and those other services are where earned revenue can come in and help support um is that kind of the idea there
0: No, we've got we like we have a, a grooming salon in Lee's Summit where we've got seven of our graduates working there. One one of our um, graduates runs the place. Um, she's actually tripled sales from last year already. Um, but but the idea is is that we're providing some of the um, some of the jobs because we we pay higher wages and have health care and all that fun stuff. But then also those partnerships. We've got you know two hundred and fifty. Uh, partners in Kansas City, employers that like want to hire our students. And I I just, right now, you know, so we've, we've graduated almost a hundred students with a hundred percent job placement rate. And so the need is out there. Like we are barely, I mean, we're working with about 30% of the employers that really want our help because we just don't have enough you know, graduates right now. Um, And that's just such the case around the country in this industry. So having that built-in market demand that already exists, we're not creating anything, and then pairing it with um, the social demand, you know, and at the same time, we we have figured out how to help families stabilize, you know, and it's not, and, and the biggest thing for us is, you know, in the nonprofit industry, there's like 7,500 nonprofits in Kansas City, but they're not coordinated, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like my students, when we get, you know, a homeless mom that walks in the door, we're assessing, okay, she needs housing, she needs child care, she needs mental health, does she have dental, does she need legal, can she see well enough to groom a dog? We have to run through the entire list to work to get her stabilized so that she can be in class 40 hours a week for six months to learn practice those skills, and then stay stabilized enough in when she graduates. And then that's really when we can start to see the turn. So when graduates have been out for a good six months, that's where we really start seeing them making enough money. They're losing their benefits, but it's okay um, because they've got that income.
1: No, that's awesome. And 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 it's just a glimpse, really, probably the struggle that is connecting all those dots between all the nonprofits and all the welfare programs and things that can help, um, you know, partnerships is not an easy, is not an easy undertaking, especially when they're, you know, they're nonprofit and government funded versus, um, you know, being able to just write checks and, and get those things done. It's very much, um, you know, a process. So completely understand that. Um, what, what is the city like, you know, what's the city's involvement in, um. You know assistance in trying to help i guess the grooming project like connect those dots is it something like outside of like something that's on your plate and it's more of like something another department within the city that you guys are a part of or you know just for curiosity's no. sake of how that works
0: yeah no, i mean right now it's we're you know it's pretty much just us you know our okay. staff is yeah forming those relationships with other partners you know housing and child care um yeah i mean Ideally, we would love it if you know, because there's some other workforce training programs out there that are uh, similar to ours, where th- these things were coordinated. Because I think that we could actually make a very big dent in solving the poverty problem if we if we did that. I mean, I think about I think about you know, for example, when I was going through my divorce, I was so overwhelmed. And so um, just foggy headed, it was hard to even think because of, you know, the stress that I was under at the time. And that's the only thing that I can think about when I try and relate to what my students are going through. But they're probably 20 times, 50 times worse with the stress. And so why would we expect a mom or a dad or a family to be under such stress but coordinate these 10 or 12 other things that they have to have just to survive. Like it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. And I just, I feel like, you know, as a country, we spend almost a trillion dollars a year trying to solve the poverty problem, but we're just doing it wrong.
1: I couldn't agree more Um, as someone going, I can just keep relating because it's just, it's something that's very close to me. Um, But growing up in, a very dangerous place that is congo africa uh you know in the 90s um you know there's a lot of small t's and big t's as they say therapy right and i'm someone that's just been able to as my business has grown be able to afford things like therapy and i've been in several years and learning you know quite a bit and um you know what i i believe that to be normal for the longest amount of time was just um you actually you're dealing with stress it doesn't feel the same um, as even probably your stress in regards to just like those things that would would wreck you in a daily basis or you know something like a divorce is um was just like this is just africa They they have a saying that's called this is africa um you know and so you're like this is just the way that it is out here on the streets you know and so those stresses are just like that is the life as they know it um and to think anything bigger than that is actually the to vision the life that would be without those stresses is nearly impossible um you just you know my ceiling for myself for the longest time was just like you know maybe a couple of feet up a couple of feet up a couple of feet up you know if anyone asked me what was my like biggest struggle as an entrepreneur it'd be i set my ceiling too low over and over and over and over and over again you know and so um, you know, of what was possible. And it's that vision. I know at least with the kids, I've learned quite a bit about the kids. Um, and for them simply being able to see, I think DC was actually the first, maybe one of the first school districts that like really started doing this or um, one of the mayors there, I think, and he came to KC. So I'm, I might get my story wrong, but it was essentially like getting a lot of the inner city kids to be able to see lives and careers and lifestyles outside of the hood and outside of the, um, the ghetto, so to speak. And being able to see what life could be like without these stressors was actually the difference in them graduating school or not or being able to chase these things. So, um, you know, being able to not only get through those stresses, but be able to see a quality of life that's different that then becomes the desire, then becomes the manifestation, so to speak, of manifesting that life is a bigger challenge than you'd think um it's almost like learning a language like a societal language so to speak so um i just i commend a lot what you guys are doing i know i'm I'm learning about it in some ways for the first time but it's a it's an absolutely beautiful program um you know something that came to mind that i'll just share here on the show as we like get close to wrapping up i've been in in the, the amazon space so the e-commerce space for 11 years working with brands pet brands, um, you know, uh, skincare brands, all types of stuff. 300 different brands, honestly, since I've been in business. Um, And I have zero doubt whether it be like, creating your own product there at the grooming project that you guys then use in the schools or, um, you know, partnering with brands that then are used in the schools or in the training, um, and being able to help facilitate some of those early needs for the students, I think could be something that that is feasible. you know, and getting connections like less with like maybe a parent company housing, all those things and less of a financial and more so, you know, you see it all the time that like, you know, 10% of these shoes go to go to this or go to that. Um, but essentially using the um, the school to create those projects that then are telling the story that are then because they, they're getting into individual households, you know, all over America, they'd be bought and then bringing those back. Um, you know, it's definitely something that comes to mind when you're thinking about partnerships and how to do those. And sometimes it's much easier to talk to a small brand that's got, you know, 10 or 15 products that are around dog shampoo or, you know, things like that, where those proceeds can benefit or even on the, even on the human side, right. Of like, not about the animals or the pet grooming products, but the ones that are like that big checklist of things that have to be done and accomplished. You know um, sometimes it's simply, I know for the kids, it's getting clothes washed and uh, you know, to be able to go to school and things like that. So, um, maybe even something we can circle up on after the show, but I think, you know, to anyone that's That'd listening that might, that might be knowing, learning about the project, um, you know, thinking about reaching out to the grooming project. If you have a brand that could be involved and, and seeing how you can get involved, I encourage you guys to do that. Um, as we wrap up, like where can people get in contact? Where can people learn more about how to get involved? Where can people learn more about how to donate and, and, and all of that?
0: So our website is thegroomingproject.org. It's all one word. Um, I've also got a TED Talk. You can just Google okay. Natasha on, on TED.com um, that kind of explains our model and what we're trying to do. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of information out there. We I love your ideas of, of, of possibly partnering with uh, a company out there. That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we want to get this thing around the country and anybody that can help us do that, uh, we'd be very uh, grateful.
1: Awesome. Where can people find you on social media? Are you on social media?
0: Okay. So I am. And my marketing person will kill me because I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know our tagline.
1: I put you on the spot, but I'm sure people can find <laughs> you. And I'm sure it's on the website. So they, know, we know where to go. Um, okay. Natasha it has been awesome having you on the show. Um, you know, thank you for sharing thank your you. story and the vision of what you guys are doing. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful to meet you. Of course. And once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by the Economic Development Corporation of KCMO. If you're in the KC boundaries, you can find out who your business development officer is at edckc.com. We encourage you to connect with these folks out there, um, making a big difference. We'll see you next time, hustlers. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.